Like a woman 42 weeks pregnant, a book past its due date, or a long-needed visit between friends, this is overdue. The Slut and the Prude. A bi-monthly feminist podcast that highlights the beauties of libraries while discussing everything from politics to pop culture and whatever nonsense pops into our heads. I think, once again, I got that wrong. <laughs> I'm not having a very good time with these memorizations, apparently. No, I think that was right on. Okay, so this is, I think, episode three of our new season. Yes. We're still kind of on track with our every two weeks, which is, you know, saying something for us. It's been a crazy year. We can be forgiven. That's true. Plus it's us, so I don't think anybody That's expects true. much of <laughs> That's true. Okay. So this So where week, are we, Nora? We are coming from Malton Library. Um, opening in 1977, the Malton Library is situated in the Malton Community Center close to the corner of Morningstar Drive and Darcel Avenue. The Malton Community Center and Library was renovated in 2004 and includes a cozy reading area with a fireplace. Uh, ha- has all your basic library amenities, 24-hour book drop, children's multimedia workstation, internet, Wi-Fi, print scan, photocopy, blah, 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 fun time. Yeah. Is it even a library if it doesn't have 24-hour drop-off? Good point. <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't. Like that, That's just something they should always have. Yeah, you should be, always I think be so. Always be able to just return a book. Mm-hmm. It'd be a little funny if you couldn't. Yeah, if they were like, no, 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 between business hours. You can only return <laughs> books during business hours. Screw you, night shift workers. You can't return books. We're going to give you late fees. That would be something. <laughs> I guess the idea would be, well, if you're going to drop off a book outside of business hours like you can't pick up a book so why should you drop off a book kind of yeah. thing I don't know yeah. but yeah I think it makes sense to have a 24 hour drop box we even had a 24 hour drop box in our little <laughs> hole in the wall library <laughs> alright so we actually have some library news to share <gasps> how exciting Exactly. so Calgary Library's new wellness desk offers free drop in mental health services Oh yes. So for our non-Canadian listeners, Calgary mm-hmm. is a city in the province of Alberta, because mm-hmm. that's what we have. We have provinces, not states. Mm-hmm. And so the pilot project will open afternoons and evenings at the Central Library until December 31st. Library patrons can visit room 319A to all those Albertans out there mm-hmm. in the third floor during the afternoon or evening to meet with a professional from Woods Homes for mental health or addiction support or referral to other services at no cost and no appointment required. Oh, it's a drop-in. It is a drop-in. The pilot project is being funded by the City of Calgary, RBC Foundation, and donors of the Calgary Public Library Foundation. And for more information on the project and other mental health links, people can check out the library's website. That's awesome. It is. I wonder if Calgary is facing a lot of mental health issues, and that's why they've... So it's said from a poll, I guess they did by who did the text for hope, a government service that provided daily reassurance text messages. They found that because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. there was having like an increase in anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. and of course, just opiate and addiction use. Yeah. And so they decided to offer that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. See, I feel like every library should have a service like mm-hmm. that. The problem being that 
I feel like it'd be way overworked because people, <laughs> so many people need yeah. need it, and it's not considered a. Uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's not considered like a like a doctor. Yeah. It's like a necessary yeah. service. Yeah, so in Canada, we have universal health care, which essentially yes. means that you don't have to pay it every time you see a doctor. No. Unfortunately, or specialists, or specialists, as long as yeah. you are referred to that specialist by your doctor. Right. Unfortunately, that doesn't cover all medical professionals, mm-hmm. including dentists or psychiatrists, psychologists. Mm-hmm. So, or vision or care, vision care yeah. or dental. Yeah. Or prescriptions, which is a little silly. Mm-hmm. But I believe our prescriptions are our prescriptions are subsidized by the government yeah. in terms of we do not pay the same for, say, insulin mm-hmm. as someone in America right. would pay for insulin. That's also partly because a Canadian person invented it, yes. so I think it's a Canadian so it's copyright. Ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also I think that the government regulates the prices yeah. of um, prescriptions, right. so we don't pay quite as much for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that if you go see your family doctor, you can go see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. It, the doctor that can prescribe medicine. Yeah, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, but you cannot see a psychologist. No. And from what I've heard from stories of people, a lot of psychiatrists often will prescribe first mm-hmm. and do mental work after. Yeah. And that's why I have hesitated yeah. <laughs> to go see a psychiatrist. I mean, psychiatrists are medically trained doctors. Of course. So that are. was their background. They had to go to medical school first. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. So psychologists, they don't do medical school at all. Mm-hmm. So they're only trained in counseling and therapeutic techniques, mm-hmm. and they're not allowed to prescribe. And so that if you go to them, they're, they obviously can't legally. Yeah. So yeah. they're also going to do what they know how to do, pulling out from their base of tricks. Yeah. And psychiatrists they do learn a little bit of counseling therapeutic mm-hmm. techniques but their go-to is medicine because that's what they know mm, that makes a lot of sense yeah. okay hmm. and there's a lot of discussion in like the psychology field as to whether or not they should be able to prescribe mm-hmm. and it's just because we actually know a lot of the same anatomy and understanding mm-hmm. about medicines that a psychiatrist would granted we're yeah. not going to medical school but we're learning the same mm-hmm. and i i I assume you're going to end up working as a psychologist. You're going to end up working with people who have been prescribed medicine by a psychiatrist. Absolutely. So you'd have to know how yeah. it's affecting that person. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense for somebody to have a psychologist and a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and they would have to prescribe. So they'd have to send them to a psychiatrist if they wanted medication. And yeah. so they would go to your psychologist and be like, "So what did your psychiatrist say about your medication?" Yeah. And it just that doesn't like, make any sense. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. But it's, uh, speaking of libraries, going back. <laughs> yes, sorry, library news. <laughs> tangents. We're always at the tangents. But, um, yeah, to provide that resource. It's just another example of the awesomeness that libraries have. And, and all the resources they are. And speaking of awesomenesses of library, another bit oh, of library she's news. She's pulling out her notebook. <laughs> Did you know October is Ontario Public Library Week? Oh, sorry, month. (laughs) Month, okay. Yes. And October 18th to the 24th is Ontario Public Library Week. Oh, okay. That's exciting. It is. That's next week, That's next week, yes. Okay. So starting Sunday. Starting Sunday. It's Library Week. Library Week. So when this airs, it'll be Library Week. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So look forward to some of our posts about libraries. Maybe we'll feature our favorite library Mm -hmm. or our favorite book. Who knows? (laughs) 
Maybe we'll do a post about our library Paris. that we started yes. in. Maybe a little bit about that, because that'd be kind of fun. That would be so fun. Um, the library week. Go visit your local library. Yes. Flood them with people under COVID regulations <laughs> yeah. and following their COVID guidelines. Yes. But go add some numbers to their counters mm-hmm. and they get more funding. Yeah. And perhaps you'll see a mental health service in your local library. Mm-hmm. I think it just goes to show that libraries, we know this, yes. but most people don't know that libraries are the hub of a community. Mm-hmm. You know, they provide more than just books yes. and resources and like video games mm-hmm. and stuff for for free. Yeah. But they provide more than that. I know when you think about it just on the low terms, mm-hmm. they provide computers for people without internet access. They provide um, a lot of the time they have workshops for people seeking jobs. Yeah. A lot of the time the only way somebody could get a job is because a library is open mm-hmm. for them to use an email mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they're a lot more than that. They often, especially as we've seen, they're usually housed in a community yeah. center. And I feel like if a library is housed inside a community center, mm-hmm. that goes to show yeah. what you know their needs are. Mm-hmm. They are for the community, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's why you find them in community centers where everybody kind of gathers. And mm-hmm. uh, we have seen, like, during the pandemic, how important they are. Um, mm-hmm. They've offered a lot of services even during lockdown and Mm -hmm. offering things like story times via virtual Mm -hmm. Zoom stuff. Yeah, Zoom and Skype and stuff. They've provided distractions Mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. They've still provided a lot of their workshops in virtual. And given that they are often solely funded by the uh, fees that they take in Mm -hmm. and only partly by government funding... Um, for them to switch it up so quickly yeah. and ha- to have gone from, I think it only took a couple of weeks for them to go from shut down to providing mm-hmm. these services. Um, I think that every librarian deserves a little bit of a clap exactly. for going the extra mile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you probably start as a librarian for your love of books, mm-hmm. but after that you become definitely a hub for community. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, especially low income, but not even just that, um, this is the only place, we've said it before, that you can come and loiter and not be expected to pay anything yeah. and not be expected to spend any money. Yeah. Um, you can stay all day long from open to close Literally. and they will not move you no. on. And we, like, we come and we loiter. Like <laughs> Today, <laughs> we came in and they're, cause they're screening people, obviously. So we asked COVID. them, so what would you like to do in the library today? And we just did, they were like, browse? <laughs> we would just like to loiter in the library (laughs) yeah and he's like okay sure great fine go have fun yeah and like right now there's a limit on an hour i'm sure if you came out of the library Mm -hmm. like stepped out looked at the person said can i go back in (laughs) they say yes go back in for an hour it's just to try to regulate who's in and who's out um and perhaps if there was a flood of people that were coming close to the limit they could Mm -hmm. have inside maybe they would ask people who've been there for longer than an hour to move on Mm -hmm. um but even then, I feel like they'd probably figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's not many places in this world that you're not expected to spend money to spend time there. Yeah. Because you're not even allowed to really loiter in a mall. No. Like, if you sit on a bench for too long, security will move you on. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible mm-hmm. shortcoming of yeah. society. And they're really using, like, online resources really well as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you don't have a library card, you can actually get a virtual library card and mm-hmm. access their online virtual catalogs. Mm-hmm. And they have things like 
language services actually so you can yeah. actually learn a language for free using the library mm -hmm. so oh yeah for sure not only do they have like literal resources where you can go yep. and and rent rent you can go and borrow um cds mm -hmm. and audiobooks and stuff that will teach you a language mm -hmm. but they do have the physical services as well mm -hmm. this library in particular is actually right next door to it looked like an official building or community services specifically geared towards new Canadians um, uh, that teach ESL and other uh, job searches and stuff like that, which is an important, of course, community service that is usually provided by Service Ontario here in Ontario, but oftentimes they are very busy and you can't always get the help you need yeah. from services like that. So it's good that they have that option here. Mm -hmm. We love libraries. We love libraries. Can you tell? <laughs> Hence the podcast. Hence the podcast. As it says right in the opening, where you're hi highlighting the beauties of them. Because we yeah. think they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And some really are. And some are a little like, eh. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Design is design, right? Exactly. Design is the, in the eye of the architect. And oftentimes, they're strange. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, it's it'll be nice when libraries can return to yeah. how they were. Mm -hmm. I know this has put a big strain on libraries, mm -hmm. COVID, as it has on everybody. Yeah. Um, I just hope maybe people are more thoughtful about libraries, mm -hmm. perhaps when things open again mm -hmm. and they can go back. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure that students miss the study space, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I know I miss. Just being able to sit inside. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to figure something out as we get closer to the colder months. We're not going to be able to sit outside and record for too much longer. Uh, no. No. Not without looking like Kenny from South Park. And sounding yeah. like Kenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be real muffled if we <laughs> stay outside for too much longer. Yeah. So that is something that hopefully you guys have learned today. Mm -hmm. Which leads to our segment. Our topic today is Today I Learned. And we're just going to be sharing some very fun, interesting facts. <laughs> that we've learned now or recently. Yeah. Pardon the screaming in the background. We are once again at a park. <laughs> so why don't you start us off sure. with what you learned. So the reason that I actually wanted to do this segment was because I learned that Anne Perry, the famous mystery crime historical author mm -hmm. is actually that's not her real name oh that's a pen it's name a pen name oh and her real name is juliet marion home and the reason she changed it was back in 1954 along with her best friend pauline parker she murdered pauline's mother honora parker Wow. In Christchurch, New Zealand. Back in 1954, she bludgeoned her to death with a brick. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Reading too many of those crime novels, huh? <laughs> so she actually wanted to be a writer. They were uh, both wanting to be writers, and they, well, Pauline was very unhappy at home, and... Her parents were actually getting really concerned with the relationship between the two. They thought they were getting a little too close and they were questioning the friendship. And around the same time, Juliet's father was actually leaving New Zealand to get for work in um, England. Mm -hmm. And at the idea of being separated, just completely 
devastated the two girls. The parents, yeah. on the other hand, were actually very happy. Of course. Um, especially Miss Parker, uh, Pauline's mom. She thought Juliet was kind of a bad influence on her daughter. And once she was gone, she would probably be a little more uh, nicer to the family. <laughs> Stop being so pretentious. And they saw her as kind of like the catalyst or the obstacle between the friends being able to be together and if I could just get mummy out of the way father will let me go to New Zealand like to England and be with my best friend and oh my god <laughs> so they did <laughs> yeah they actually yeah, only served not a more iconic duo really <laughs> is there they actually only served five years really yeah so she was 15 at the time Pauline was 16 so were they do they only serve five years because they were technically minors? Yes, because they were children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so in New Zealand, it was if you were a minor, you were obviously weren't going to be sentenced to death. So you were sentenced to the queen's uh, queen's decision, I guess something was like that. Yeah. And so essentially, it's like whenever they saw it was fit for them to be released, and after five years, they said, "Sure, they they've served their time. They can go." And so they were paroled, and they got pseudonames, or they moved on. And Anne wow. Perry became Anne Perry. <laughs> and then wrote... And then wrote... Crime, crime novels. novels. Yeah. Based on her crime <laughs> of killing her mother. Yeah. Wow, that is a today I learned. <laughs> exactly. I did not know that. Huh. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. And I believe... It's not facts, but there's an episode in The Simpsons called Lisa, Lisa the Drama Queen. Mm-hmm. And in the episode, Lisa meets a young girl in the community center named Juliet. And Juliet is from a prominent family, and she has a father who's a professor. And they become writers, and they go into their own little dreamland and start writing. And if it sounds familiar, I think it's probably based on Julianne Pauling. <laughs> wow. But fortunately for Marge, that's where the similarities end. Okay. That's good. <laughs> so everybody lives happily ever after in the Simpsons episode, not so much in the real life version. And the only reason people actually know about it is because of the movie Heavenly Creatures. Oh. And the director, whose name, who's the Avatar guy? James Cameron? Okay, not him. <laughs> not him. <laughs> Somebody else. I can't remember his name. He created the movie. And so everybody got really interested in it. And they're trying to figure out where they were. And they tracked her down. And they found out that Juliet was Anne Perry. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. 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 The things you don't know about life, yeah. honestly. And so she was actually writing and very famous at the time when it all came out. And you would think... You know, being a convicted murderer, it might have like a damaging effect on her career, but no. I assume it made it better. It did, to be actually. Honest. Yeah. yeah. Everyone wants that book that that killer wrote. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Sales just rocketed. I think she's still writing. I don't know if she's still alive. I believe she is. <laughs> but yeah, Pauline went into seclusion. Nobody. Her name is. What is her name? She has a new name, not too. Of course. Uh, Hillary you, you Nathan. <laughs> Hillary Nathan. And they both live in Scotland. Very far from each other. They live in, like, remote parts of Scotland. Oh, but away from, but away each, from other? each other? After all of that? After all that. Yeah. They don't have seem to have any relationship with each other whatsoever. Weird. Yeah. 
Interesting. So we only know Juliet's side of the story because obviously she's been interviewed and every time she's interviewed, people want to know. So, you know, why'd you kill the mom? <laughs> and they talk about it a little bit and like, do you feel remorse? Do you ever think about the victim? And of course her answer was, no, I barely know the woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so today I learned. Today you learned. Okay, well today, or not today, but recently... This is not so much today I learned for either of us. It's like a, you know, recently (laughs) I learned. But you know the Canadian flag has maple leaf on it, right? And you know the Toronto maple leaves Mm -hmm. have maple leaf on Mm -hmm. it, right? Do you know that's not a maple leaf? No. So it's a maple leaf. Mm -hmm. Like it is a tree, a maple tree. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a Norway maple. (laughs) Which is an incredibly invasive species of maple tree here in Canada. Oh. And it's highly invasive. Like, it is, it'll push out any other tree. <laughs> it, it outcompetes our native maple tree, our sugar maple, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but it's on our flag uh-huh. because they picked the wrong leaf. And it's on the Toronto maple leaves because they picked the wrong leaf. <laughs> so, um, I think they picked the right tree. Because we're an invasive species. Yes, that's true. I would definitely say so. And I definitely feel like the indigenous people of Canada or Turtle Island, as it's actually known to them, would definitely agree. That's true. (laughs) You're right. It is. The white people chose the correct leaf. Yeah. It's a true representation of ourselves. The invasive species just pushes out anything. Everything else. I think the animals would agree, too. (laughs) I would agree. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. But it's a fun fact. You can probably look around your neighborhood if you're in Ontario mm-hmm. specifically. I don't know about other provinces, but I know in Ontario it's one of the highly invasive trees mm-hmm. that we have. Um, if you look around your neighborhood, if you see a maple tree and the leaves are really dark purple mm-hmm. or like a really dark green and it has black spots on the leaves, mm-hmm. it's a Norway maple. Oh. Almost always. It's a Norway maple, especially if it has those black spots. Mm -hmm. Pretty much no other native tree will have those spots on it. So um, if you see that in your neighborhood, um, you have an invasive tree. And what's even worse is that even though they know it's invasive, even though most municipalities, like especially conservation authorities like what I work for, Mm -hmm. um, have it on their list as this is invasive, um, nurseries still sell them. Oh, to be planted, and landscapers will often plant them in the front yards because people want a maple tree, mm. and they see the maple leaf and they go, "That's like the maple leaf on the flag." So unfortunately, a lot of new Canadians end up wanting this tree because it's the maple leaf, and they want the maple leaf in their yard because they're in Canada and they want the maple leaf. Um, so on one hand, it creates a monog um, a monoculture, which is not good. Mm-hmm. You want, uh, you know diverse biology Mm -hmm. in your neighborhood Uh, but also they don't know the difference and so we end up with these invasive trees filling a neighborhood oh dear i was walking my neighborhood today and i counted so many (laughs) like i'd say if there's a maple nine times out of ten it was a normal maple in my neighborhood so that was fun i'm gonna look at my tree you should look at my tree we'll look at my tree when we get home we'll see what's norway maple Mm -hmm. it probably is Mm -hmm. i will probably cry but that's fine yeah, most of the time it is. You'd be surprised. I don't see any around here, luckily. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually see any maple trees around here. So Okay. But yeah, that's what I learned recently. So another thing that I learned recently that I thought was kind of funny was in 
J-Lo's debut music video, If You Had My Love, mm-hmm. it's kind of centered around this, well, her and her home is kind of like doing her thing. But in the beginning, you'll see that a guy kind of logs onto a computer mm-hmm. and then brings up this website called J-Lo's Room. The guy in the video is actually Adam Rodriguez, who people might okay. know from CSI Miami. He played Eric, Eric Delco. And in the 90s, people's rooms were like pseudocorn. What? It was like pseudocorn. So like, like they had these little rooms and they had put videos in them and you just kind of watch girls kind of like doing oh. their thing. And like, so you didn't really see anything, but you saw things. And it was like a little voyeuristic. Oh, okay. Is it like... Like Love Island voyeuristic yeah. kind of thing, yeah. where like you you don't really see it actually happening, but you know it's yeah. happening. Yeah, and it's all very suggestive. You see them walking around in their skimpy little outfits, and you know mm. all that. But of course, in the video, there's actually a room called shower, <laughs> and you see her in the shower. And so the thing I thought was really funny about that was the fact that in CSI Miami, Eric Delco, his character, actually investigates a murder of a man in a business, whatever. And it ties back to a studio where, well, essentially a prostitute, and they're doing their own kind of like the girl's room. And I thought that was so funny because he was like the voyeuristic guy watching J-Lo in the video, and then he was the one investigating the potential prostitute in the voyeur like house in the episode. And I'm like, I wonder if the writers knew that. They had to, right? That must be poking fun at him. They had to have. There's no way they didn't know. And it was, I thought it was just so funny. I was watching it the other day, and I'm like, that guy looks so familiar. Who is he? I know him. And I looked it up, and I'm like, it was you! And the funny thing is, in the credits, in IBM, IMBD, sorry. IMBD? Yeah. It actually that says voyeuristic j <laughs> So that's his credit, is the voyeuristic in j music video. <laughs> <sighs> that's funny yeah oh I love that <sighs> they had to have known they had there's to. no way the producers didn't know that yeah the writers had to be making fun of him yeah they had to so I learned recently that so we all know that there's gay penguins mm-hmm Pretty much everyone knows us gay penguins. Mm-hmm. And it's just further proof that homophobia is only in one species, not yeah. our own. Yeah. Um, but did you know that there are hooker penguins? Huh. So, female penguins, and I don't know about males, I just read the, the article about female penguins, will perform the mating ritual, or whatever, mating dance, mm-hmm. in exchange for shiny rocks. Oh, but, like, not mate with the penguins, like, not be their partners, <laughs> mm-hmm. just, like, perform the mating dance and stuff like that, uh-huh. and be given shiny, nice rocks. Because yeah. in certain penguin species, the culture is rocks. It's mm-hmm. all about the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, males will build this big pile of rocks, and that's how the females know that's a good penguin to mate with. Mm-hmm. But also, stripper penguins exist. Because. <laughs> because. They will do this dance, yeah. but not actually have sex. Yeah. And still get the shiny rock. Mm-hmm. So stripper penguins exist. So why do the female penguins want the rocks then? Because they're nice to have. Oh, okay. <laughs> because like they like the rocks. <laughs> sure. Okay. Why do strippers and hookers want money? Because money's nice to have. <laughs> and I mean, theoretically, I guess you could say that the sex is probably pleasurable for the penguins sure. as well. Yeah. The ones who have sex for rocks. But I mean, it's in penguin culture to have rocks, shiny rocks. Okay. 
right? So I guess that's like their currency. That's pretty much. Okay. But yeah, hooker and stripper penguins exist. Interesting. They're ones that both give out sex for rocks and also who only dance for rocks. <laughs> so oh, that was know. really interesting. <laughs> that's funny. All right. So today I learned that the Arthur character, DW, DW, the little sister, yeah, Arthur, yeah. has only ever been voiced by males. That does not surprise me. Yeah. That's interesting, though. Mm-hmm. I assume young males are just, like, males. No, I think they're older males. Oh. Yeah, I thought they would be children as well, but I think they're actually adults. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. And um, when Arthur's voice actor was changed, people actually complained that the new voice actor was too whiny, so they had to hire another one. And they actually had to recast, like, the whole season, the one he did it before, because they're like, no, we can't have that. <laughs> oh my God. People complained about the voice actor, and so... <laughs> that must suck as their voice actor. <laughs> it does. It must. But also, part of Arthur... This is just a theory. This is my conspiracy theory now. Okay, we love it. Um, so, Fern is one of Arthur's friends, and yes. Fern is a writer. And she has a character that she and George, another character, like to play. And she likes to be detective... What is it? I have everything written down. <laughs> it's okay. Vel Watteau. Okay. And his name, George's character, is named Bastings. And I suspect that this character is based off Agatha Christie's Perrault. Oh! Yeah. That would make so much sense. She is female and has a French accent. Yeah. And he is French. His name is Hercule. And it's that very similar to so her first sense. name. And he has a friend named Hastings. There has to be. It has to be. There's no way yeah. that it's not. Yeah. See, that that's the thing when you're a writer, and whether you write for TV, movie, whether you write a book or whatever. It's just a lot of wind noise. I'm just <laughs> looking at it. Um, you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. And insert as many references as you want. Mm-hmm. And it's all for you. Because mm-hmm. maybe someone will figure it out. But it's just because you love that thing. And there's a lot of, like, real-world references in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, presumably Glitchet. Mm-hmm. There's a character in Arthur mm-hmm. with him. And, of course, the uh, Scare Your Pants Off books. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I wonder I if anybody surprised. else realized that. I was watching, like... I definitely didn't. I was and watching, I used to watch Piro. Uh, that's, when I, that's when I caught on, because I started yeah. watching Piro. And I was watching him, and I'm just like, something's very familiar. Something feels strange. <laughs> Besides the fact that he talks to himself, like, in the third person, and he always kind of refers yes. to himself as, Piro should have known this. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, you really should have. <laughs> so actually really funny, because I was watching this one episode, and um, I actually caught... Like, I figured out part of the whole crime mm-hmm. and he's like Perot should have known he was too blindsided and I'm like you should have because Nora knew <laughs> so I was talking <laughs> with the people on the screen which is what I do my thing somebody should tell me that they don't talk back <laughs> if they did they probably would have told like I probably would have figured it out like 20 minutes earlier because that's yeah. when I figured it out and I'm like oh yeah it's okay did you know when I learned this recently, NASA funded an experiment that ended up with a woman. Um, all the articles say having sex with a dolphin. 
but essentially um, jerking a dolphin off on multiple occasions. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. Uh, and what? <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would uh, this would get you. Uh, I, must I must say, say I, feel I feel like yours are far better than the ones that I'm coming <laughs> up with. Um, <laughs> uh, so basically, in nineteen in the nineteen sixties, NASA funded a research project to, if I'm remembering correctly, was trying to see if they could get dolphins to talk to understand human language because dolphins are one of the most intelligent yeah. animals in the mammalian kingdom mm-hmm. um, and so they were trying to figure out if they could teach dolphins to understand and replicate human language mm-hmm. because like dolphins are close to humans in terms of they can recognize themselves in mirrors I believe dolphins are one of the animals on the list either who have non-person humanhood mm-hmm. or non-human personhood or are trying to get non-person humanhood mm-hmm. the idea being that they can make their own decisions about themselves mm-hmm. i know orangutans already have that mm-hmm. they or there's a couple of animals in the king, in the animal kingdom that have this non-human personhood mm-hmm. this idea that they are able to make decisions for themselves um and it basically prevents humans from fucking with them too much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this um, experiment was basically to try to see if they could try to get dolphins to to talk. Well, that's one way to get them to talk. Or, or like, it was this kind of thing. And this is a NASA-funded <laughs> research, right? Oh my gosh. Um... But basically what ended up happening is they built this house and the dolphins lived in this, not a tank, but lived in this alcove that was by the ocean so that the ocean currents could go through. Like they actually had ocean so that the tides would go. And the house was built so that part of the day it would be flooded Mm -hmm. so the dolphins could swim in the house Mm -hmm. and see how humans were living. Mm -hmm. So... The researchers would be there. There's a kitchen and stuff, and the dolphins could come in and see and hear people talk and be kind of a part of it. And then partway through the day, it would like the level would drop down mm-hmm. so that the dolphins would stay in their little thing during the the night usually. Mm-hmm. And there were three dolphins: two female and one adolescent male. Mm-hmm. And basically, this one researcher started to grow really close with the dolphins. Like the yeah, say he did. <laughs> like the dolphins would like recognize her and would come up to her and and like she basically formed a strong connection with this one dolphin. And she decided that when everyone would leave, it was like twelve hours of the day or more that they weren't doing research and the dolphins weren't interacting with humans and so it was her theory was basically that it wasn't um they weren't gonna get the results they were looking for because there was so much the dolphins weren't that they weren't privy to of dolphins and the dolphins weren't privy to of humans Mm -hmm. and so she decided that she was going to live at this research center Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day okay and they would have it flooded 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. so that the dolphins could swim all day every day Mm -hmm. could come up and it would never force like it wasn't like dolphins were forced into the house it was the option for them to come and see and basically she started getting closer and closer with this dolphin and occasionally the 
because Adolfo was an adolescent, wasn't interested in having sex with the female dolphins in oh, his dear. enclosure, but would come up and like rub against her and like basically rub himself off on her. Oh my. And she essentially started helping him. Ooh. Like she said it wasn't sexual on her part. Like, she didn't get any sexual gratification from it because she didn't believe that humans and dolphins should have sex, but still was part of the act of him essentially jerking himself off. And so that's why it was cancelled, because it was found out that this was what was happening in the research facility. Um, but yeah, that was a funded experiment. Um, the way she... You should read the article, because uh, yeah. the way she talks about it is, like, so out of this world. Like, she's like... When he would rub up against my foot, it wasn't uncomfortable unless it was too rough. And then it's like, <laughs> but I mean, dolphins in the wild have been known to rape, like harp seals. Oh my! And and humans, if like there's one unconscious, oh dear, in the water. So like they have been known to do that. They're um, the only animal in the animal kingdom who is known to do that. Um, so <laughs> there is that, but yeah. When if you read the article, it's it's a wild ride from start to finish. Yeah, you're gonna have to send me that. My goodness. I, yeah, there are no words. <laughs> there are no words. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I would really be interested to know what happened to her career after that. Yeah, I would as well, because, like, she was, like, a prime re- researcher for yeah. NASA, like, definitely an animal, like, biologist and psychologist and stuff like that, but, yeah, because it's not like she would just let him rub on her foot, like, she used her hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I flustered Nora. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to be like, you know, I let the dolphin do that i was not interfering with you know my subject yeah but it's another thing to like actively participate and even if it's not sexual on her end it's like what yeah 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 talk about influencing your subject matter (laughs) right (laughs) oh wow yeah thought you'd be interested in that one wow Uh (laughs) uh-huh Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> you stumped me there. You win. <laughs> winning. I think the only one that kind of tops, or not even hops at, but um, comes close to it, was in middle school. There was a song from Mr. Vegas called Heads High, mm-hmm. and for the longest time. I had no idea what the F he was saying. Mm-hmm. I just knew it was a good song, and I was in middle school, and I was jamming to it. And then recently, I decided, I want to look at the lyrics. I want to know what the song's talking about. And I, it turns out that it's a song teaching girls to not perform oral. He's actually discouraging girls from doing it. Oh. Yeah, which is why the song is Heads High. <laughs> Keep your heads high, girls. And it's just like... I should not have invited me to that in middle school. <laughs> but yeah, apparently in Jamaica, this is what one of the people on the internet was saying when they were talking about the lyrics. Um, it's actually taboo, like oral sex is taboo. Oh. And they consider it to be very unclean. 
And so girls I mean, do fair. that. Well, yeah, considering it's like the same orifice that, you know, things come out of other yeah. things. So it's like, yeah. So he was actually saying to girls, don't do that. Be clean and not. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's actually very different from most rappers who yeah. very much like, you know, 50 Cent in the candy shop and wanting to lick things and lollipop from yeah. Little Wayne. Very different message. Very, very different very message. Different. But yeah, it's a good thing I did not know <laughs> what he was saying. It's a good thing your parents didn't it, know what yeah. you were freaking vibing to. Yeah, it was just like when I was a kid, it was like, head's high, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it was like, oh. Okay. There's so many songs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Where you listen to them, like, when you're older, and you're like, what the fuck was I doing? (laughs) Who let me listen to this? Yeah. And even, like, movies, too. Like, so many Mm -hmm. innuendos in the Disney movies. And that's for the adults. That's what they say. But, like, still, it's, like, one of those things that... Should that even be in a kid's movie? Like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like as an adult now, adult, yeah, <laughs> watching the Disney movies, I can still enjoy them without the innuendos. That's true. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's funnier with the innuendos, because oh, yeah. I know, but like, I can still enjoy them without. So yeah. I don't really know if my It's a of adulthood. Yeah. I'm not sure my babysitter really needed all the sex jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. I don't have any other till I learned today. I learned. I don't think I have one. I'm pretty sure I had one and then I forgot it. So I'm pretty sure you already know this about J.K. Rowling. Tell me anyway. Okay, so J.K. Rowling actually has another pen name. Okay, yeah. She actually has another series of books. Her more adult version. Her more controversial series, and she writes under the pen name Robert Galbraith. And Robert Galbraith Heath was actually an anti-LGBTQ psychiatrist. Of course, that's why she chose the name. <laughs> well, of course, she claims that's not the reason. There's no connection. She's a turf. Of course she did. <laughs> but yeah, he was very influential in the conversion therapies of LGBTQ. And when I was looking him up, there's an article that said, like, the psychiatrist that fried the gays. So, yeah. Conversion therapy, of course, in the 50s was electroshock. Yeah. So, still is in a lot yeah. of ways, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But yeah, Jesus, yeah, and I guess I w- I just want to on the topic of of J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. so I think it's important to address. Yeah. Um, much more comfortable. Because <laughs> um, I I want to address is that a lot of people I've seen are like destroying Harry Potter books mm-hmm. and kind of removing Harry Potter tattoos that they have and stuff like that because of J.K. Rowling Rowling's uh, controversial. An incredibly politically blind mm. um, commentary, mm-hmm. insensitive commentary, and her obvious belief system. Mm-hmm. She don't make comments like she does, and read comments replying to it, and still hold your opinion mm-hmm. if you're not um, just a turf, <laughs> basically. Um, and as someone who writes. I think it's important for people to know that they don't need to get rid of the stuff Mm -hmm. that this author has written if they love it and if they value the lessons within it just because the author has turned out to be controversial. Yeah. There's one thing Mm -hmm. for buying new stuff. True. If you love the Harry Potter series and you 
like for me i found a lot of belonging in the harry potter series mm-hmm. whether that was just reading it and feeling like i belonged in the world mm-hmm. of harry potter or finding other people who love harry potter that i felt connected to yeah buying new stuff is supporting her mm-hmm. and you should definitely not do that yeah um because she doesn't deserve any support yeah. however as a writer once you've written something mm-hmm. and put it out into the world for public consumption, mm-hmm. it is no longer yours. Right. We, in general, once you've put something out to public and you've given it to the fandom, is essentially how we say it, it is no longer yours to decide how it works. Mm-hmm. So if the fandom decide mm-hmm. that, yeah, Dumbledore was gay mm-hmm. and this is just how it is. Mm-hmm. Then no matter what J.K. Rowling says mm-hmm. or books that come out afterwards, she doesn't actually get a say in it. Now, legally, of course she does. It's her copyright. She right. can do what she likes. Yeah. But in terms of the collective understanding and experience mm-hmm. of the books and the series and the messages within, once you've written a book and published it and it's out there and it's become pop culture and whatever, it is no longer the author's world. Mm-hmm. So she can't turn around and say, oh, this person was gay and this person believed this. Mm -hmm. She can't actually do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not written in a book that she's published, it's not her realm Mm -hmm. anymore. And there's a lot of people who argue and say it's always the author's property. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between property physically and, like, actually being able to, like, make money off of it and ideology. Mm -hmm. And so if Harry Potter is important to you, if Harry Potter meant so much to you like it does to me... Regardless of if you're in the LGBT community with me or not, there's no need to get rid of that meaning on your body mm-hmm. because it it's not J.K. Rowling's. Yeah, it's not hers anymore. Mm-hmm. The meaning you have in it is not hers, mm-hmm. and no matter what she says now about it, it doesn't impact. Yeah, the meaning you found within it. Yeah, and especially so if if you still love the books, you shouldn't feel guilty for mm-hmm. that. And if you still want the books, or you want the media, or you want to have Harry Potter things, buy them secondhand. Mm-hmm. Get them from, especially now I'm sure there's tons because people oh, have yeah. thrown them out and stuff. <laughs> Go to the local thrift store and buy the Harry Potter books secondhand. Yeah. See if anyone's selling their Go Harry to the Potter library. stuff. Or the library. Yeah. And consume it that way. Mm-hmm. Because all you're doing is you're supporting local stores, local thrift stores, mm-hmm. local communities. Potentially, even if you go to the right kind of thrift stores, LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And also, if you put money and investment into like a tattoo or something like that, take it with the understanding that she doesn't control your meaning. Yeah. Or, or how you derive meaning from her words. And just protest her as a person mm-hmm. and not the works that definitely don't belong (laughs) to her anymore that she can't make a decision about unless she decides to write another book Mm -hmm. and then she changes the canon but just like with the cursed child which a lot of the fandom tend to think of as a completely different timeline Mm -hmm. because there's a lot about it that nobody likes and that nobody (laughs) agrees is canon Mm -hmm. um it's no longer under her control she can publish all she wants Mm -hmm. and it's still under fandom's decision on how it works yeah and that's actually a really good point, going back to, like, Anne Perry. Yes. Now that everybody knows that, or is reminded mm-hmm. of the fact that she's a killer. <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of applies to her as well. Mm-hmm. And so if you're kind of disturbed by the fact that you may be supporting somebody who was actually convicted and of a, a crime, mm-hmm. 
kind of kind of holds true. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really interesting because like there was another book that I was reading that was actually looking at her work mm. and kind of like using it as an analysis of her. Oh, and because she writes a lot of historical fiction, it's murder and there's crime and there's rape and blah 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 blah. But because it's historical, there's not a lot of like evidence. Yeah. So it's a lot of psychological and like motives and you know things like that and noticing things and so a lot of people have looked to what the characters have said to kind of like analyze her and her thinking and again like as you said it doesn't necessarily belong to her anymore now that it's out there so you can still enjoy the the monk series and yeah all the other series that she has out Mm. there and not necessarily have to feel like guilty or anything because you're quote supporting her Mm. especially if you're doing so by picking it from the library or secondhand or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's the same for really any media i know there's a lot of controversy surrounding uh music like mm-hmm. always is and particularly people like michael jackson and um i think it's drake not drake kanye now mm-hmm. and stuff like that there's a lot of controversy surrounding them and their music mm-hmm. and a lot there's, a, there's always a question i know that i've been asked a lot and it's can you separate the artists can you separate the artists rhetoric and the artist's belief system from their art like that's always a big question and in my opinion you can as long as you're not buying their new stuff Mm -hmm. if you really like the music if you really feel the art if you really you know it you can't really control what you derive your message from Mm -hmm. like it's hard to not hear a song and feel meaning from it yeah and then find out that the artist is anti-LGBTQ or Mm -hmm. maybe is part of a group that you really don't associate with Mm -hmm. or is anti-feminist or whatever, what you derive meaning from isn't really controllable. Not really. Like, if if you're listening to a bop and it just is a bop to you and then you're like, oh, fuck, that artist, like, pays money to conversion therapy, Mm -hmm. then... The duty for you is to just not support them financially mm-hmm. by buying their latest CD, by going to concerts, by buying merch, by streaming their music. Yeah. But if you feel the message in a particular song, just get it secondhand. Then the yeah. money doesn't actually go to the artist. Mm-hmm. And so I would say it comes down to how you feel, like how where your line is. I know yeah. when it comes to like Amazon, my line is, is Amazon. Like I just don't. Mm-hmm because the money goes to Bezos no matter what you do. Um, But when it comes to music or artists or books, Mm -hmm. my line is I just go to secondhand Mm -hmm. because then I know the money isn't going to them. I know I'm not supporting them in any way. Yeah, Yeah. and that's how things like buying from a retailer or like Chick-fil-A, for example, Mm -hmm. um, it's different than supporting an artist because like, if you like Chick-fil-A, you obviously cannot buy secondhand Chick-fil-A. I uh, know. Uh, or you shouldn't, anyway. <laughs> you yeah. definitely do not encourage that. But, yeah, so if you buy a sandwich, even because you just like the sandwich, automatically it goes to, mm-hmm. you know, the owner and whatever they believe in the programs and the, the organizations they mm-hmm. support. Supports. And if it's not in line with your thinking, no matter what you do, it's still, I paid for this and therefore my money went mm-hmm. to them. And so... I, supporting something i don't support yeah versus you know i like this song so i'm just gonna like rip it off youtube as opposed to like getting it from like you know spotify or whatever yeah yeah and those are the better way to indulge in the things that you enjoy that you derive meaning from that 
that support you as an individual mm-hmm. versus supporting the artist and perhaps the message that the message or actions that they do that you don't support. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, an important thing to I think distinguish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just made me really sad to see people throwing out books mm-hmm. and and paying to get their tattoos removed yeah. or covered up or whatever. That's got to hurt. When, if you're getting a Harry Potter tattoo, it means a lot to you. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm still planning on getting a Harry Potter tattoo mm-hmm. with the understanding that she doesn't control how I derive my meaning. Right. And there's nothing stopping me from the magic of the world, mm-hmm. of the world of Harry Potter. Yeah. Because it's not hers anymore to control, really. Yeah. Yeah. Other than legally, and really, what does that do? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I actually like her Cormoran Strike books. Yeah. And that's the series that she writes mm-hmm. under her pen name. And so, if I, like, just get it from Libby or whatever, I feel comfortable knowing that I actually given her money for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And except for, like, the lo- like the latest one, which is completely controversial, mm-hmm. and there's, like, nothing salvageable about it, I'll just <sighs> read Fair. the rest of them. Exactly. Of course, the latest one is anti- trans which of is why we're saying is. that so yeah mm-hmm. and we are all pro-trans yes so. of course here at overdue in case you didn't know <laughs> we <And> are feminists <laughs> exactly <laughs> pro lgbt pro civil rights pro all the fun stuff pro choice yes pro choice pro puppies <laughs> oh puppies everywhere Definitely puppies <laughs> okay and if you did not know that today you learned today you learned <laughs> So I think the question of today is easy. Yeah. What did you learn today? Yes. Or in the recent past? Yes. yes. Now with COVID, I'm pretty sure lots of people have learned lots of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And so share. Yeah. Share your tippets. So for me, Emma. And me, Nora. We'll see you next time.